Rough Map of the Battle of Thalen Field Annotated by Navani Colin The enemy landed a large fleet here, just north of the destroyed docks. Northward of that, the thrill emerged from the ocean in the form of a large red cloud, manifesting many shapes. The bulk of the enemy army formed up here before the city wall. The wall was broken here. The gemstone reserve is at the boundary between the low ward and the ancient ward. The temples of the Ten Heralds are located at the top of the city, in the royal ward. At the north end of the royal ward is the Oathgate platform. 120. The Spear That Would Not Break If the journey itself is indeed the most important piece rather than the destination itself, then I traveled not to avoid duty, but to seek it. From the Way of Kings, Postscript Kaladin rose into the sky alive with stormlight. Below him Dalinar walked toward the red mist. Though tendrils of it moved among the soldiers of Amaram's army, the bulk of it swirled closer to the coast, to the right of the bay and the destroyed docks. Storms, Kaladin felt good to be in the real world again. Even with the Everstorm dominating the sun, this place felt so much more bright than Shadesmar. A group of windspren dodged around him, though the air was relatively still. Perhaps they were the ones who had come to him on the other side, the ones he had failed. Kaladin, Syl said, you don't need another reason to berate yourself. She was right. Storms he could be down on himself sometimes. Was that the flaw that had prevented him from speaking the words of the fourth ideal? For some reason, Syl sighed. Oh, Kaladin. We'll talk about it later, he said. For now, he'd been given a second chance to protect Dalinar Colin. Stormlight raging inside of him, the Sil's spear a comfortable weight in his hand, he lashed himself downward and crashed to the stones near Amaram. The High Lord, in turn, fell to his knees. What? Kaladin thought. Amaram was coughing. He tipped his head back, faceplate up, and groaned. Had he just swallowed something? Adolin prodded at his stomach. Beneath the blood-stained rip, he felt only smooth, new skin, not even a hint of an ache. For a time, he'd been sure he would die. He'd been there before. Months ago, he'd felt it when Sadius had withdrawn, leaving the Colin troops alone and surrounded on the shattered plains. This had been different. Staring up at that black sky and those unnatural clouds, feeling suddenly appallingly fragile and then light. His father, the great man Adolin could never match, somehow embodying the Almighty himself. Adolin couldn't help feeling that he hadn't been worthy to step into that light. Here he was anyway. The radiance broke apart to do Dalinar's bidding, though Shallan knelt to check on Adolin. How do you feel? Do you realize how fond I was of this jacket? Oh, Adolin. Really, Shallan. Surgeons should take more care with the clothing they cut open. If a man's going to live, he'll want that shirt. And if he dies, well, he should at least be well-dressed on his deathbed. She smiled, then glanced over her shoulder toward the troops with red eyes. Go, he said. 
I'll be fine. Save the city. Be radiant, Shalon. She kissed him, then turned and stood. That white clothing seemed to glow, the red hair a striking swatch as stormlight rose from her. Pattern appeared as a shard blade with a faint, almost invisible latticework running up the length. She wove her power, and an army climbed from the ground around her. In Eurythiru, she'd made an army of a score to distract the unmade. Now, hundreds of illusions rose around her. Soldiers, shopkeepers, washwomen, scribes, all drawn from her pages. They glowed brilliantly, light streaming from them, as if each were a night radiant. Adolin climbed to his feet and came face to face with an illusion of himself wearing a Colin uniform. The illusory Adolin glowed with stormlight and floated a few inches off the ground. She'd made him a windrunner. I... I can't take that. He turned toward the city. His father had been focused on the Radiance and had neglected to give Adolin a specific duty. So maybe he could help the defenders inside. Adolin picked his way across the rubble and through the broken wall. Yasna stood right inside, hands on hips, as if she were surveying a mess left by rampaging children. The gap opened into an unremarkable city square dominated by barracks and storehouses. Fallen troops wearing either Thalen or Sadius uniforms indicated a recent clash here, but most of the enemy seemed to have moved on. Shouts and clangs sounded from nearby streets. Adolin reached for a discarded sword, then paused and, feeling a fool, summoned his shard blade. He braced himself for a scream, but none came, and the blade fell into his hand after ten heartbeats. I'm sorry, he said, lifting the glistening weapon, and thank you. He headed toward one of the nearby clashes where men were shouting for help. Zeth of the Skybreakers envied Kaladin, the one they called Stormblessed, in the honor of protecting Dalinar Colin. But of course he would not complain. He had chosen his oath, and he would do as his master demanded. Phantoms appeared, created from stormlight by the woman with the red hair. These were the shadows in the darkness, the ones he heard whispering of his murders. How she brought them to life he did not know. He landed near the Reshi Surgebinder lift. So, she said to him, how do we find that ruby? Zeth pointed with his sheathed shard blade toward the ships docked in the bay. The creature carrying it ran back that way. The parchman still clustered there, deep within the shadow of the Everstorm. Figures, Lift said, then glanced at him. You aren't going to try to eat me again, right? Don't be silly, said the sword in Zeth's hand. You aren't evil. You're nice, and I don't eat people. I will not draw the sword, Zeth said, unless you are already dead, and I decide to accept death myself. Great, Lift said. You're supposed to contradict me, Zeth, the sword said, when I say I don't eat people. Vasher always did. I think he was joking. Anyway, as people who have carried me go... You aren't very good at this. No, Zeth said. I am not good at being a person. It is a failing of mine. It's all right. Be happy. Looks like there's a lot of evil to slay today. 
That's great, right? Then the sword started humming. The brands on Kaladin's head seemed a fresh pain as he dove to strike Amaram. But Amaram recovered quickly from his fit, then slammed his faceplate down. He rebuffed Kaladin's attack with an armored forearm. Those red eyes cast a crimson glow through the helm's slit. You should thank me, boy. Thank you, Kaladin said. For what? For showing me that a person could be even more loathsome than the petty light eyes who ruled my hometown? I created you, Spearman. I forged you. Amaram pointed at Kaladin with the wide, hook-ended shard blade. Then he extended his left hand, summoning a second blade. Long and curved, the back edge rippled like flowing waves. Kaladin knew that blade well. He'd won it, saving Amaram's life, then refused to bear it. For when he looked at his reflection in the silvery metal, all he could see were the friends it had killed. So much death and pain caused by that rippling blade. It seemed a symbol of all he'd lost, particularly held now in the hand of the man who had lied to him, the man who had taken Tien away. Amaram presented a sword stance holding two blades, one taken in bloodshed at the cost of Kaladin's crew, the other Oathbringer, a sword given to Ransom Bridge Four. Don't be intimidated, Syl whispered in Kaladin's mind. History notwithstanding, he's only a man, and you're a knight radiant. The vambrace of Amaram's armor pulsed suddenly on his forearm, as if something was pushing it from beneath. The red glow from the helm deepened, and Kaladin got the distinct impression of something enveloping Amaram. A black smoke, the same that Kaladin had seen surrounding Queen Asadon at the end as they'd fled the palace. Other sections of Amaram's armor began to rattle or pulse, and he suddenly moved with a violent burst of speed, swinging with one shard blade then the other. Dalinar slowed as he approached the main core of the thrill. The red mist churned and boiled here, nearly solid. He saw familiar faces reflected in it. He watched the old High Prince Kalinor fall from the heights of a rock formation. He saw himself fight alone on a field of stone after a rock slide. He watched as he caught the claw of a chasm fiend on the shattered plains. He could hear the thrill, a thrumming, insistent, warming pulse almost like the beating of a drum. Hello, old friend, Dalinar whispered, then stepped into the red mist. Shallan stood with arms outstretched. Stormlight expanded from her on the ground, a pool of liquid light, radiant mist swirling above it. It became a gateway. From it, her collection emerged. Every person she'd ever sketched from the maids in her father's house to the honor spren who had held Syl captive, grew from stormlight. Men and women, children and grandparents, soldiers and scribes, mothers and scouts, kings and slaves. Mmm, Pattern said as a sword in her hand. Mmm. I've lost these, Shallan said, as Yalb the sailor climbed from the mist and waved to her. He drew a glowing shard spear from the air. I lost these pictures. You are close to them, Pattern said. Close to the realm of thought and beyond. 
all the people you've connected to over the years. Her brothers emerged. She'd buried worries about them in the back of her mind, held by the ghost bloods. No word from any span read she tried. Her father stepped from the light, and her mother. The illusions immediately started to fail, melting back to light. Then someone seized her by the left hand. Shalon gasped. Forming from mist was, was, veil? With long, straight black hair, white clothing, brown eyes, wiser than Shalon and more focused, capable of working on small pieces when Shalon grew overwhelmed by the large scale of her work. Another hand took Shalon's on the right, radiant in glowing garnet shard plate, tall with braided hair, reserved and cautious. She nodded to Shalon with a steady, determined look. Others boiled at Shalon's feet, trying to crawl from the stormlight, their glowing hands grabbing at her legs. No, Shalon whispered. This was enough. She had created Veil and Radiant to be strong when she was weak. She squeezed their hands tight, then hissed out slowly. The other versions of Shalon retreated into the stormlight. Then, farther out, Figures by the hundreds surged from the ground and raised weapons at the enemy. Adolin, now accompanied by some two dozen soldiers, charged through the streets of the low ward. Der, one of his men shouted with a thick Thalen accent. Britlord. He pointed toward a group of enemy soldiers disappearing down an alley back toward the wall. Damnation, Adolin said, waving his troops to follow as he gave chase. Yasna was alone in that direction, trying to hold the gap. He charged down the alleyway to... A soldier with red eyes suddenly hurtled through the air overhead. Adolin ducked, worried about fused, but it was an ordinary soldier. The unfortunate man crashed into a rooftop. What on Roshar? As they approached the end of the alleyway, another body smashed into the wall right by the opening. Gripping his shard blade, Adolin peeked around the corner, expecting to find another stone monster like the one that had climbed into the ancient ward. Instead, he found only Yasna Kolin, looking completely nonplussed. A glow faded around her, different from the smoke of her stormlight, like geometric shapes outlining her. All right, then. Yasna didn't need help. Adolin instead waved for his men to follow the sounds of battle to the right. There they found a small group of beleaguered Thalen soldiers backed up against the base of the wall, facing a much larger force of men in green uniforms. Well... This Adolin could fix. He waved his own soldiers back, then charged the enemy in smoke stance, sweeping with his shard blade. The enemy had packed in close to try to get at their prey, and had a hard time adjusting to the miniature storm that crashed into them from behind. Adolin stepped through the sequence of swipes, feeling immense satisfaction at finally being able to do something. The Thalans let out a cheer as he dropped the last group of enemies, red eyes going black as they burned out. His satisfaction lasted until, glancing down at the corpses, he was struck by how human they looked. He'd spent years fighting Parshendi. He didn't think he'd actually killed another Alethi since, well, he couldn't remember. Sadius, don't forget Sadius. Fifty men dead at his feet and some three dozen killed while gathering his other troops. Storms. After feeling so useless in Shadesmar, now this— 
How much of his reputation was him, and how much of it was, and had always been, the sword? Prince Edelin, a voice called in Aleti. Your Highness! Kadralk? Edelin said as a figure emerged from the Thalens. The Queen's son had seen better days. His eyebrows were bloodied from a cut across his forehead. His uniform was torn, and there was a bandage on his upper arm. My mother and father, Kadralk said. They're trapped on the wall a little farther down. We were pushing to reach them, but we got cornered. Right. Let's move, then. Yasna stepped over a corpse. Her blade vanished in a puff of stormlight, and Ivory appeared next to her, his oily black features concerned as he regarded the sky. This place is three, still, he said. Almost three. Or three places are nearly one, Yasna replied. Another batch of glory spren flocked past, and she could see them as they were in the cognitive realm, like strange avians with long wings and a golden sphere in place of the head. Well, being able to see into the cognitive realm without trying was one of the least unnerving things that had happened so far today. An incredible amount of stormlight thrummed inside her, more than she'd ever held before. Another group of soldiers broke through Shalan's illusions and charged over the rubble through the gap in the wall. Yasna casually flipped her hand toward them. Once, their souls would have resisted mightily. Soul-casting living things was difficult. It usually required care and concentration, along with proper knowledge and procedure. Today, the men puffed away to smoke at her barest thought. It was so easy that a part of her was horrified. She felt invincible, which was a danger in itself. The human body wasn't meant to be stuffed this full of stormlight. It rose from her like smoke from a bonfire. Dalinar had closed his perpendicularity, however. He had been the storm and had somehow recharged the spheres. But like a storm, his effects were passing. Three worlds, Ivory said, slowly splitting apart again. But for now, three realms are close. Then let's make use of it before it fades, shall we? She stepped up before the rent portion of the wall, a gap as wide as a small city block, then raised her hands. Zeth of the Skybreakers led the way toward the Parshman army, the child edge dancer following. Zeth feared not pain, as no physical agony could rival the pain he already bore. He feared not death. That sweet reward had already been snatched from him. He only feared that he had made the wrong choice. Zeth expunged that fear. Nin was correct. Life could not be lived making decisions at each juncture. The Parshman standing on the shore of the bay did not have glowing eyes. They looked much like the Parshendi who had used him to assassinate King Gavilar. When he drew close, several of them ran off and boarded one of the ships. There, he said. I suspect they are going to warn the one we seek. I'm after it, crazy face, Lift said. Sword, don't eat anyone unless they try to eat you first. She zipped off in her silly way, kneeling and slapping her hands on the ground. She slid among the parshmen. When she reached the ship, she somehow scrambled up its side, then squeezed through a tiny porthole. The parshmen here didn't seem aggressive. They shied away from Zeth, 
murmuring among themselves. Seth glanced at the sky and picked out Nin as a speck, still watching. Seth could not fault the herald's decision. The law of these creatures was now the law of the land. But that law was the product of the many. Zeth had been exiled because of the consensus of the many. He had served master after master, most of them using him to attain terrible or at least selfish goals. You could not arrive at excellence by the average of these people. Excellence was an individual quest, not a group effort. A flying parshendi, fused was a term Lyft had used for them, shot out of the ship carrying the large dun ruby that Dalinar sought. Lyft followed the fused out but couldn't fly. She clambered up onto the prow of the ship, releasing a loud string of curses. Wow, the sword said. That's impressive vocabulary for a child. Does she even know what that last one means? Zeth lashed himself into the air after the fused. If she does know what it means, the sword added, do you think she'd tell me? The enemy swooped down low across the battlefield, and Zeth followed a mere inch above the rocks. They soon passed among the fighting illusions. Some of these appeared as enemy soldiers to further add confusion. A clever move. The enemy would be less likely to retreat if they thought most of their companions were still fighting. And it made the battle look far more real. Except that when Zeth's quarry zipped past, her fluttering robes struck and disturbed illusory shapes. Zeth followed close, passing through a pair of fighting men he had seen were illusions. This fused was talented, better than the skybreakers had been, though Zeth had not faced their best. The chase took him in a long loop, eventually swinging back down near where Dalinar was walking through the edge of the red mist. The whispered voices grew louder, and Zeth put his hands to his ears as he flew. The fused was smooth and graceful, but sped up and slowed less quickly than Zeth did. He took advantage of this, anticipating the enemy's move, then cutting to the side as they turned. Zeth collided with the enemy, and they twisted in the air. The fused, gemstone in one hand, stabbed Zeth with a wicked knife. Fortunately, with stormlight, that didn't do anything but cause pain. Zeth lashed them both downward, holding tight, and sent them crashing to the stone. The gemstone rolled free as the fused groaned. Zeth lashed himself gracefully to his feet, then slipped along the stone at a standing glide. He scooped up the ruby with his free hand, the one not carrying his sheathed sword. Wow, the sword said. Thank you, sword Nimi, Zeth said. He restored his stormlight from nearby fallen spheres and gemstones. I meant that, to your right. Three more fused were swooping down toward him. He appeared to have gotten the enemy's attention. Adolin and his men reached a covered stairwell leading up onto the wall. Aunt Navani waved from up above, then gestured urgently. Adolin hurried inside the stairwell and at the top found a jumble of Sadius troops, chopping at the door with hand axes. I can probably get through that a little easier, Adolin said from behind them. A short time later he stepped onto the wall walk, leaving five more corpses on the steps. These didn't make him feel quite so melancholy. They'd been minutes from reaching Aunt Nabani. Nabani hugged him. Elokar? she asked, tense. Adolin shook his head. I'm sorry. She pulled him tight, and he dismissed his blade, holding her as she shook, letting out quiet tears. Storms. He knew how that felt. 
he hadn't really been able to take time to think about Elicar's death. He'd felt the oppressive hand of responsibility. But had he grieved for his cousin? He pulled his aunt tighter, feeling her pain mirror to his own. The stone monster crashed through the city and soldiers shouted from all around, but in that moment, Adolin did what he could to comfort a mother who had lost her son. Finally, they broke, Nabani drying her eyes with a handkerchief. She gasped as she saw his bloodied side. I'm fine, he explained. Renarin healed me. I saw your betrothed and the bridgeman down below, Nabani said. So everyone... everyone but him? I'm sorry, aunt. I just... We failed him. Elakar and Colin are both. She blotted her eyes and stiffened with determination. Come. Our focus now has to be on keeping this city from suffering the same fate. They joined Queen Fen, who was surveying the battle from atop the wall. Estnatil was on the wall with us when that thing hit, she was saying to her son. He got thrown down and likely died. But there's a shard blade in that rubble somewhere. I haven't seen Shadr. Perhaps at his manor? I wouldn't be surprised to find him gathering troops at the upper tiers. Counting shard bearers, Thelanar had three sets of plate and five blades, a solid number of shards for a kingdom of this size. Eight houses passed them down, father to son, each of whom served the throne as a high guard. Adolin glanced over the city, assessing the defense. Fighting in city streets was difficult. Your men got divided up and were easily flanked or surrounded. Fortunately, the Satius troops seemed to have forgotten their battle training. They didn't hold ground well. They had broken into roving bands like axe-hound packs, loping through the city and looking for contests. You need to join your troops, Adolin said to the Thalans. Block off a street below, coordinate a resistance. Then a sudden whooshing sound cut him off. He stumbled back as the wall shook, then the broken gap in it mended. Metal grew like crystals to fill the hole, springing into existence out of a tempest of rushing, howling air. The end result was a beautiful, brilliant section of polished bronze melding with the stonework and completely sealing the gap. Tone's palms, Fen said. She and her consort stepped closer to the edge and looked down at Yasna, who dusted off her hands, then rested them on her hips in a satisfied posture. So, change of tactics, Adolin said. With the gap filled, you can get archers in position to harry the army outside and hold the inside square. Set up a command position here, clear the street below, and then hold this wall at all costs. Below, Yasna strode away from the marvel she'd created, then knelt beside some rubble and cocked her head, listening to something. She pressed her hand against the rubble and it vanished into smoke, revealing a corpse beneath and a brilliant shard blade beside it. Gadralk! Adolin said. How are your shard blade stances? I... I've practiced with them, like other officers, and... I mean... Great! Take ten soldiers, go get that blade, then rescue that cluster of troops over there at the base of the ancient ward. Next, try to rescue that other group fighting on the steps. Station every archer you can up here on the wall, and put the rest of the soldiers to work guarding the streets. Adolin glanced over his shoulder. Shallan's distraction was working well, for now. Don't stretch too far, but as you rescue more men, make a coordinated effort to hold the entire low ward. But Prince Adolin, Fen said, what will you be doing? 
Adolin summoned his blade and pointed with it toward the back of the ancient ward, where the gigantic stone monstrosity swept a group of soldiers from a rooftop. Others tried, in futility, to trip it with ropes. Those men seemed like they could use the help of a weapon designed specifically to cut through stone. Amaram fought with striking fury, a frenetic kind of harmony, an unending assault of weaving shard blades in beautiful stances. Kaladin blocked one blade with the sill spear, and they locked for a moment. A sharp violet crystal burst out of Amaram's elbow, cracking the shard plate there, glowing with a soft inner light. Storms! Kaladin flung himself backward as Amaram swung his other blade, nearly connecting. Kaladin danced away. His training with the sword had been short, and he'd never seen anyone use two blades at once. He would have considered it unwieldy. Amaram made it look elegant, mesmerizing. That deep red glow within Amaram's helm grew darker, bloody, somehow even more sinister. Kaladin blocked another hit, but the power of the blow sent him skidding backward on the stone. He'd made himself lighter for the fight, but that had repercussions when facing someone in plate. Puffing, Kaladin launched himself into the air to get some distance. That plate prevented him from using lashings against Amaram, and it blocked hits from the sill spear. Yet if Amaram landed a single strike, that would immobilize Kaladin. Healing the wound from a shard blade was possible, but was slow and left him horribly weakened. This was all complicated by the fact that while Amaram could focus only on their duel, Kaladin had to keep watching Dalinar in case... Damnation! Kaladin lashed himself to the side, streaking through the air to engage one of the fused who had started hovering near Dalinar. She struck toward Kaladin, but that only let him change Sill to a blade mid-swing and cut her long spear in half. She hummed an angry song and floated backwards, sliding her sword from its sheath. Below, Dalinar was a mere shadow against the shifting crimson cloud. Faces emerged within, screaming with rage, fury, bloodlust, like the billowing front of a thunderhead. Being near the mist made Kaladin feel nauseous. Fortunately, the enemy didn't seem eager to enter it either. They hovered outside, watching Dalinar. A few had ducked in closer, but Kaladin had managed to drive them back. He pressed his advantage against his current foe, using Sill as a spear. The fused was nimble, but Kaladin was flush with stormlight. The field below was still littered with a fortune in glowing spheres. After he got in close with a strike, cutting the fused robes, she zipped away to join a group that was focusing on Zeth. Hopefully the assassin could stay ahead of them. Now, where had Amaram gotten to? Kaladin glanced over his shoulder, then yelped and lashed himself backwards, stormlight puffing before him. A thick black arrow shot right through that, dispersing the light. Amaram stood near his horse, where he'd unhooked a massive shard bow that used arrows as thick as a spear's haft. Amaram raised it to loose again, and a line of crystals jutted out along his arm, cracking his shard plate. Storms, what was happening to that man? Kaladin zipped out of the way of the arrow. He could heal from a hit like that, but it would distract him, potentially let some of the fused seize him. All the stormlight in the world wouldn't save him if they simply bound him, then hacked at him until he stopped healing. Amaram launched another arrow, and Kaladin blocked it with Sill, who became a shield in his grip. Then Kaladin lashed himself into a dive, summoning Sill as a lance. He swooped down on Amaram, who hooked his shard bow back onto the horse's saddle and dodged to the side, moving with incredible speed. Amaram grabbed the Sill lance as Kaladin dove past, flinging Kaladin to the side. 
Kaladin was forced to dismiss Sill and slow himself, spinning and sliding across the ground until his lashing ran out and he settled down. Teeth gritted, Kaladin summoned Sill as a short spear, then rushed Amaram, determined to bring the High Lord down before the fused returned to attack Dalinar. The Thrill was happy to see Dalinar. He had imagined it as some evil force, malignant and insidious, like Odium or Satius. How wrong he was. Dalinar walked through the mist, and each step was a battle he relived. Wars from his youth to secure Alethkar. Wars during his middle years to preserve his reputation, and to sate his lust for the fight. And he saw times when the thrill withdrew, like when Dalinar had held Adolin for the first time, or when he'd grinned with Elokar atop a rocky spire on the shattered plains. The thrill regarded these events with a sad sense of abandonment and confusion. The thrill didn't hate. Though some spren could make decisions, others were like animals, primal, driven by a single overpowering directive. Live, burn, laugh. Or in this case, fight. Yasna existed halfway in the cognitive realm, which made everything a blurry maze of shadows, floating souls of light and beads of glass. A thousand varieties of spren churned and climbed over one another in Shadesmar's ocean. Most did not manifest in the physical world. She willed steps to soul cast beneath her feet. Individual axi of air lined up and packed next to each other, then soul cast into stone, though in spite of the realms being linked, this was difficult. Air was amorphous, even in concept. People thought of it as the sky, or a breath, or a gust of wind, or a storm, or just the air. It liked to be free, difficult to define. Yet with a firm command and a concept of what she wanted— Yasna made steps form beneath her feet. She reached the top of the wall and found her mother there with Queen Fen and some soldiers. They had made a command station at one of the old guard posts. Soldiers huddled outside, with pikes pointed toward two fused in the sky. Bother! Yasna strode along the wall, taking in the melee of illusions and men outside. Shalan stood at the back, most of the spheres around her had been drained already. She was burning through stormlight at a terrible rate. Bad, she asked Ivory. It is, he said from her collar. It is. Mother, Yasna called, approaching where Fen and Navani stood by the guard post. You need to rally the troops within the city and clear the enemy inside. We're working on it, Navani said. But... Yasna, in the air! Yasna raised an absent hand without looking, forming a wall of black pitch. A fused crashed through it, and Yasna soul-cast a flick of fire, sending the thing screaming and flailing, burning with a terrible smoke. Yasna soul-cast the rest of the pitch on the wall to smoke, then continued forward. We must take advantage of Radiant Shalan's distraction and cleanse Thalen City. Otherwise, when the assault comes from the outside once more, our attention will be divided. From outside? Fen said. But we have the wall fixed and storms, brightness. Yasna stepped aside without looking as the second fuse swooped down. 
The reactions of Spren in Shadesmar allowed her to judge where it was. She turned and swung her hand at the creature. Ivory formed and sliced through the fused's head as it passed, sending it curling about itself, eyes burning, and tumbling along the wall top. The enemy, Yasna said, will not be stopped by a wall, and brightness Shalan has feasted upon almost all of the spheres Uncle Dalinar recharged. My stormlight is nearly gone. We have to be ready to hold this position through conventional means once the power is gone. Surely there aren't enough enemy troops to, Fenn's consort said, but trailed off as Yasna pointed with Ivory, who obligingly formed again, toward the waiting Parshman armies. Neither the hovering red haze nor the breaking lightning of the storm was enough to drown out the red glows beginning to appear in the Parshman's eyes. We must be ready to hold this wall as long as it takes for troops to arrive from Yurithiru, Yasna said. Where is Renarin? Wasn't he to deal with that thunderclast? One of my soldiers reported seeing him, Fenn said. He had been slowed by the crowds. Prince Adolin expressed an intention to go help. Excellent. I will trust that task to my cousins and instead see what I can do to keep my ward from getting herself killed. Zeth, woven dodged between the attacks of five enemy fused, carrying the large dun ruby in his left hand, the sheathed black sword in his right. He tried to approach Dalinar in the red mist, but the enemy cut him off, and he was forced to turn east. He skimmed the now-repaired wall and crossed over the city, eventually soaring past the monster of stone. It flung several soldiers into the air, and for a moment they soared with Zeth. Zeth lashed himself downward, diving for the city streets. Behind him, Fused broke around the monster and swarmed after. He shot through a doorway and into a small home, and heard a thump above as a soldier's body fell onto the roof, then crashed out the back door and lashed himself upward, narrowly avoiding the next building. Was I supposed to save those soldiers, Sword Nimi? Zeth said. I am a radiant now. I think they would have flown like you instead of falling down if they'd wanted to be saved. There was a profound puzzle in the words, one which Zeth could not consider. The fused were deft, more skilled than he was. He dodged among the streets, but they kept on him. He swung around, left the ancient ward, and shot for the wall, trying to get back to Dalinar. Unfortunately, a swarm of the enemies cut him off. The rest surrounded him. Looks like we're cornered, the sword said. Time to fight, right? Accept death and die, slaying as many as possible? I'm ready. Let's do it. I'm ready to be a noble sacrifice. No, he did not win by dying. Zeth lobbed the gemstone away as hard as he could. The fused went after it, leaving him an avenue to escape. He dropped toward the ground, where spheres glistened like stars. He drew in a deep breath of stormlight, then spotted Lift waiting on the field between the fighting illusions and the waiting parchment. Zeth settled down lightly beside her. I have failed to carry this burden. That's okay. Your weird face is burden enough for one man. Your words are wise, he said, nodding. Lift rolled her eyes. You're right, sword. He's not very fun, is he? I think he's Devi anyway. 
Zeth did not know this word, but it sent Lift chortling in a fit of amusement which the sword mimicked. We have not fulfilled the Blackthorn's demands, Zeth snapped at the two of them, stormlight puffing from his lips. I could not stay ahead of those fused long enough to deliver the stone to our master. Yeah, I saw, Lift said, but I've got an idea. People are always after stuff, but they don't really like the stuff. They like having the stuff. These words are not so wise. What do you mean? Simple. The best way to rob someone is to leave them thinking that nothing is wrong. Shalon clung to Vale's and Radiant's hands. She'd long since fallen to her knees, staring ahead as tears leaked from her eyes. Taut, her teeth gritted. She'd made thousands of illusions. Each one, each one was her. A portion of her mind, a portion of her soul. Odium had made a mistake in flooding these soldiers with such thirst for blood. They didn't care that Shallan fed them illusions. They just wanted a battle. So she provided one, and somehow her illusions resisted when the enemy hit them. She thought maybe she was combining soul casting with her light weaving. The enemy howled and sang, exulting in the fray. She painted the ground red and sprayed the enemy with blood that felt real. She serenaded them with the sounds of men screaming, dying, swords clashing and bones breaking. She absorbed them in the false reality, and they drank it in. They feasted on it. Each one of her illusions that died hit her with a little shock, a sliver of her dying. Those were reborn as she pushed them out to dance again. Enemy fused bellowed for order, trying to rally their troops. But Shallan drowned out their voices with sounds of screaming and metal on metal. The illusion absorbed her entirely, and she lost track of everything else, like when she was drawing. Creation spren blossomed around her by the hundred, shaped like discarded objects. Storms. It was beautiful. She gripped Vale's and Radiant's hands tighter. They knelt beside her, heads bowed within her painted tapestry of violence. Her, hey, a girl's voice said. Could you, uh, stop hugging yourself for a minute? I need some help. Kaladin ducked toward Amaram, thrusting his spear one-handed. That was usually a good tactic against an armored man with a sword. His spear hit right on target, where it would have dug into the armpit of an ordinary opponent. Here, unfortunately, the spear just slid off. Shardplate didn't have traditional weak points, other than the eye slit. You had to break it open with repeated hits, like cracking into a crab's shell. Amaram laughed, a startlingly genuine mirth. You have great form, Spearman. Do you remember when you first came to me? Back in that village, when you begged me to take you? You were a blubbering child who wanted so badly to be a soldier. The glory of the battle. I could see the lust in your eyes, boy. Kaladin glanced toward the fused, who rounded the cloud, timid, looking for Dalinar. Amaram chuckled. With those deep red eyes and the strange crystals growing from his body, Kaladin hadn't expected him to sound so much like himself. 
whatever hybrid monster this was, it still had the mind of Meridas Amaram. Kaladin stepped back, reluctantly changing Syl into a blade, which would be better for cracking plate. He fell into wind stance, which had always seemed appropriate. Amaram laughed again and surged forward, his second shard blade appearing in his waiting grip. Kaladin dodged to the side, ducking under one blade and getting at Amaram's back, where he got in a good hit on the plate, cracking it. He raised his blade to attack again. Amaram slammed his foot down, and his shard plate boot shattered, exploding outward in bits of molten metal. Beneath, his ripped sock revealed a foot overgrown with carapace and deep violet crystals. As Kaladin came in for his attack, Amaram tapped his foot, and the stone ground became liquid for a moment. Kaladin stumbled, sinking down several inches as if the rock were creme mud. It hardened in a moment, locking Kaladin's boots in place. Kaladin! Syl cried in his mind as Amaram swung with two shard blades parallel to one another. Syl became a halberd in Kaladin's hands, and he blocked the blows, but their force threw him to the ground, snapping his ankles. Teeth gritted, Kaladin hauled his pained feet out of the boots and pulled himself away. Amaram's weapons sliced the ground behind, narrowly missing him. Then Amaram's other armored boot exploded, crystals from inside breaking it apart. The High Lord pushed with one foot and glided across the ground, incredibly quick, approaching Kaladin and swinging. Still became a large shield, and Kaladin barely blocked the attack. He lashed himself backward, getting out of range as Stormlight healed his ankles. Storms. Storms. That fused, Sil said. She's getting very close to Dalinar. Kaladin cursed, then scooped up a large stone. He launched it into the air with several lashings compounded, which sent it zipping off to slam into the head of the fused. She shouted in pain, pulling back. Kaladin scooped up another stone and lashed it toward Amaram's horse. Beating up the animal because you can't defeat me? Amaram asked. He didn't seem to notice that the horse, in bolting away, carried off the shard bow. I've killed a man wearing that shard plate before, Kaladin thought. I can do it again. Only he wasn't merely facing a shard bearer. Amethyst crystals broke Amaram's armor all up the arms. How did Kaladin defeat whatever this thing was? Stab it in the face? Sil suggested. It was worth a try. He and Amaram fought on the battlefield near the Red Mist, on the western shore, but between the main body of troops and the waiting parchman. The area was mostly flat except for some broken building foundations. Kaladin lashed himself up a few inches so he wouldn't sink into the ground if Amaram tried again to do whatever he'd done. Then he moved backward carefully, positioning himself where Amaram would likely leap across a broken foundation to get at him. Amaram stepped up, chuckling softly. Kaladin raised Sill as a shard blade, but shifted his grip, preparing for the moment when she'd become a thin spear he could ram right through that faceplate. Kaladin! Sill cried. Something hit Kaladin with the force of a falling boulder, flinging him to the side. His body broke and the world spun. By instinct, Kaladin lashed himself upward and forward, opposite the way he'd been flung. He slowed and released the lashings right as his momentum ran out, touching down, then slid to a stop on the stone, pain fading from a healed shoulder and side. A brawny fused, taller than even Amaram in his plate, dropped a shattered club that he'd used on Kaladin. His carapace was the color of stone. He must have been crouching near that foundation, and Kaladin had taken him for merely another part of the stony field. As Kaladin watched, the creature's brown carapace crusted up his arms, covering his face like a helm, growing to thick armor in a matter of moments. 
He raised his arms, and Carapace's spurs grew above and below the hands. Delightful. Adolin heaved himself up over the rim of a broken rooftop onto a small alley between two buildings. He'd made it to the loft wards of the city, right above the ancient ward. Here, buildings were constructed practically atop one another in tiers. The building to his left had been completely flattened. Adolin crept across rubble. To his right, a main city thoroughfare led upward, toward the royal ward and the oath gate, but was clogged with people fleeing from the enemy troops below. This was compounded by the local merchant guards and platoons of Thalen military who struggled against the tide. Moving on the streets was extremely slow, but Adolin had found one corridor that was empty. The thunderclast had crossed the ancient ward kicking down buildings, then had stepped on roofs as it climbed up to the loft wards. This swath of destruction made almost a roadway. Adolin had managed to follow using rubble like stairs. Now he was right in the thing's shadow. The corpse of a Thalen soldier drooped from a rooftop nearby, tangled in ropes. It hung there, eyebrows dangling to brush the ground. Adolin swept past, peeking up between buildings onto a larger street. A handful of Thalens fought here, trying to bring the Thunderclass down. The ropes had been a great idea, but the thing was obviously too strong to be tripped that way. In the street beyond Adolin, a soldier got in close and tried to hit the monster's leg with a hammer. The weapon bounced off. That was old, hardened Kremstone. The plucky soldier ended up getting stomped. Adolin gritted his teeth, summoning his shard blade. Without plate, he'd be as squishy as anyone else. He had to be careful. Tactical. This is what you were designed for, isn't it? Adolin said softly as his blade dropped into his hand. It was for fighting things like that. Shard blades are impractically long for duels, and plate is overkill even on the battlefield. But against a monster of stone... He felt something, a stirring on the wind. You want to fight it, don't you? Adolin asked. It reminds you of when you were alive. Something tickled his mind, very faint, like a sigh. A single word. Maya Lauren. A name? Right, Maya, Adolin said. Let's bring that thing down. Adolin waited for it to turn toward the small group of defending soldiers, then he bolted out along the rubbled street, dashing straight for the thunderclast. He was barely as tall as its calf. Adolin didn't use any of the sword stances. He just hacked as if he were attacking a wall, slicing right along the top of the thing's ankle. A sudden bang sounded above, like two stones slamming against one another as the thing cried out. A shockwave of air washed over Adolin, and the monster turned, thrusting a hand down toward him. Adolin dodged to the side, but the monster's palms smashed the ground with such force that Adolin's boots left the ground momentarily. He dismissed Maya as he fell, then rolled. He came up puffing on one knee with his hand out, summoning Maya again. Storms, he was like a rat gnawing on the toes of a chull. The beast regarded him with eye spots like molten rock just beneath the surface. He'd heard the descriptions of these things from his father's visions, but looking up at it, he was struck by the shape of its face and head. A chasm fiend, he thought. It looks like a chasm fiend. The head, at least. The body was vaguely like a thick human skeleton. Prince Adolin, one of the few living soldiers shouted. It's the son of the Blackthorn. Protect the prince. Distract the monster from the shardbearer. It's our only chance to... 
Adolin lost the last part as the monster swept its hand across the ground. He barely dodged, then threw himself through the doorway of a low building. Inside, he leaped over a few bedding pallets, pushed into the next room, then attacked the brick wall with Maya, cutting in four quick strikes. He slammed his shoulder against the wall, breaking through the hole. As he did, he heard a whimper from behind. Adolin gritted his teeth. I could use one of those storming radiants about now. He ducked back into the building and flipped over a table, finding a young boy huddled underneath. That was the only person Adolin saw in the building. He hauled the boy out right as the thunderclast smashed a fist down through the roof. Dust billowing after him, Adolin shoved the child into the arms of a soldier, then pointed both toward the street to the south. Adolin took off running east, around the side of the building. Maybe he could climb up to the next level of the loft wards and circle the creature. For all the troops' calls to distract the thing, however, it obviously knew who to focus on. It stepped over the broken house and thrust a fist toward Adolin, who leaped through a window into another house, across a table, then out an open window on the other side. Crash! The building fell in behind him. The thing was doing damage to its own hands with the attacks, leaving the wrists and fingers scored with white scrapes. It didn't seem to care, and why should it? It had ripped itself right from the ground to make this body. Adolin's only advantage, other than his blade, was his ability to react faster than the thing. It swung for the next building beyond him, trying to smash it before he got inside, but he was already doubling back. He ran underneath the monster's swing, sliding on the chips and dust as the fist passed narrowly overhead. That put him in a position to run between the thunderclast's legs. He slashed at the ankle he'd already cut once, digging his blade deep into the stone, then whipping it out the other side. Just like a chasm fiend, he thought. Legs first. When the thing stepped again, the ankle cracked with a sharp sound, then its foot broke free. Adolin braced himself for the pained thunderclap from above, but still winced at the shockwave. Unfortunately, the monster balanced easily on the stump of its leg. It was a little clumsier than before, but it was in no real danger of falling. The Thalen soldiers had regrouped and gathered up their ropes, however, so maybe... A hand in shard plate reached out of a building nearby, grabbed Adolin, and pulled him inside. Dalinar held his hands out to the sides, enveloped by the thrill. It returned every memory he hated about himself. War and conflict, times when he'd shouted Evie into submission, anger that had driven him to the brink of madness, his shame. Though he had once crawled before the Night Watcher to beg for release, he no longer wished to forget. I embrace you, he said. I accept what I was. The thrill colored his sight red, inflicting a deep longing for the fight, the conflict, the challenge. If he rejected it, he would drive the thrill away. Thank you, Dalinar said, for giving me strength when I needed it. The thrill thrummed with a pleased sound. It drew in closer to him, the faces of red mist grinning with excitement and glee. Charging horses screamed and died. Men laughed as they were cut down. Dalinar was once again walking on the stone toward the rift, intent on murdering everyone inside. He felt the heat of anger, the yearning so powerful it made him ache. I was that man, Dalinar said. I understand you. Venli crept away from the battlefield. She left the humans to struggle against shadows in a mess of anger and lust. She walked deeper into the darkness beneath Odium's storm, feeling strangely sick. 
The rhythms were going crazy inside her, merging and fighting. A fragment from craving blended into fury, into ridicule. She passed fused, arguing about what to do, now that Odium had withdrawn. Did they send the Parshman in to fight? They couldn't control the humans, consumed by one of the unmade as they were. Rhythms piled over rhythms. Agony, conceit, destruction. Lost, there, Venley thought. Grab that. She attuned the rhythm of the lost. She clung to the solemn beat, desperate. A rhythm one attuned to remember those you missed, those who had gone before. Timber thrummed to the same rhythm. Why did that feel different from before? Timber vibrated through Venley's entire being. Lost. What had Venley lost? Venley missed being someone who cared about something other than power. Knowledge, favoritism, forms, wealth. It was all the same to her. Where had she gone wrong? Timber pulsed. Venley dropped to her knees. Cold stone reflected lightning from above, red and garish. But her own eyes? She could see her own eyes in the polished wet rock. There wasn't a hint of red in them. Life she whispered. The king of the Alethi had reached out toward her, Dalinar Colin, the man whose brother they'd killed. But he'd reached from the pillar of glory spren all the same and spoken to her. You can change. Life before death. You can become a better person. Strength before... Before weakness. I did. Jerk. Someone grabbed Venley roughly and spun her over, slamming her to the ground. Affused with the form that grew carapace armor like shard plate, he looked Venley up and down, and for a panicked moment she was sure he'd kill her. The fused seized her pouch, the one that hid timber. She screamed and clawed at his hands, but he shoved her back, then ripped open the pouch. Then he turned it inside out. I could have sworn he said in their language. He tossed the pouch aside. You failed to obey the word of passion. You did not attack the enemy when commanded. I, I was frightened, Venley said, and weak. You cannot be weak in his service. You must choose who you will serve. I choose, she said, then shouted. I choose. He nodded, evidently impressed by her passion then stalked back toward the battlefield. Venley climbed to her feet and made her way to one of the ships. She stumbled up the gangway, yet felt crisper, more awake than she'd been in a long, long time. In her mind played the rhythm of joy, one of the old rhythms her people had learned long ago after casting out their gods. Timber pulsed from within her, inside her gem heart, I'm still wearing one of their forms, Venley said. There was a void spren in my gem heart. How? Timber pulsed to resolve. You've done what? Venley hissed, stopping on the deck. Resolve again. But how can you? She trailed off, then hunched over, speaking more softly. How can you keep a void spren captive? Timber pulsed to victory within her. Venley rushed toward the ship's cabin, 
A parchment tried to forbid her, but she glared him to submission, then took the ruby sphere from his lantern and went inside, slamming the door and locking it. She held up the sphere, and then, heart fluttering, she drank it in. Her skin started glowing with a soft white light. Journey before destination. Adolin was confronted by a figure in glistening black shard plate, a large hammer strapped to its back. The helm had stylized eyebrows like knives sweeping backward, and the plate was skirted with a triangular pattern of interlocking scales. Cavaldurn, he thought, remembering his lists of Thalen shards. It meant roughly shell of Kva. Are you Charter? Adolin guessed. No. Herdolm, the shardbearer said in a thick Thalen accent. Chadar holds court square. I come, stop monster. Adolin nodded. Outside, the thing sounded its angry call, confronting the remaining Thalen troops. We need to get out and help those men, Adolin said. Can you distract the monster? My blade can cut while you take hits. Yes, Herdalm said. Yes, good. Adolin quickly helped Herdalm get the hammer untied. Herdalm hefted it, then pointed at the window. Go there. Adolin nodded, waiting by the window as Herdalm charged out the doorway and went running straight for the thunderclast, shouting a Thalen battle cry. When the thing turned toward Herdalm, Adolin leaped out the window and charged around the other side. Two flying fused swooped in behind Herdalm, slamming spears into his back, tossing him forward. Plate ground against stone as he fell face first. Adolin ran for the thunderclast's leg, but the creature ignored Herdalm and fixated on Adolin. It crashed a palm down on the ground nearby, forcing Adolin to dance backward. Herdalm stood up, but a fused swooped down and kicked him over. The other landed on his chest and began pounding on his helm with a hammer, cracking it. As Herdom tried to grab her and throw her free, the other one swooped down and used a spear to pin the hand down. Damnation. All right, Maya, Adolin said. We've practiced this. He wound up, then hurled the shard blade, which spun in a gleaming arc before slamming into the fuse on Herdom's chest, piercing her straight through. Dark smoke trailed from her eyes as they burned away. Herdom sat up, sweeping away the other fused with a shard-enhanced punch. He turned toward the dead one, then looked back at Adolin with a posture that somehow expressed amazement. The thunderclast called, sending a wave of sound across the street, rattling chips of stone. Adolin swallowed, then started counting heartbeats as he dashed away. The monster crashed along the street behind, but Adolin soon pulled to a stop in front of a large section of rubble which blocked the street. Storms! He'd run the wrong way! He shouted, spinning around. He hit a count of ten and Maya returned to him. The thunderclast loomed overhead. It thrust its palm down, and Adolin managed to judge the shadow and dodge between two fingers. As its palm crashed to the ground, Adolin leaped, trying to avoid being knocked over. He grabbed a massive finger with his left arm, desperately holding Maya to the side in his right. As before, the thunderclast began to rub its palm across the ground, an attempt to grind Adolin to the stones. He hung from the finger, feet lifted a few inches off the ground. The sound was terrible, like Adolin was trapped in a rock slide. As soon as the thunderclast ended its sweep of the hand, Adolin dropped off, then raised Maya in a double-handed grip and chopped straight through the finger. The beast released a thunderclap of anger and pulled its hand back. The tip of an unbroken finger connected with Adolin and flung him backward. Pain. It hit him like a flash of lightning. 
He struck the ground and rolled, but the agony was so sharp he barely noticed. As he came to rest, he coughed and trembled, his body seizing up. Storms, 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 storms. He squeezed his eyes shut against the pain. He'd, he'd gotten too accustomed to the invincibility of plate. But his suit was back in Urethiru, or hopefully coming here soon on Gaval, his plate standby. Adolin somehow crawled to his feet, each move causing a spear of agony from his chest. Broken rib? Well, at least his arms and legs were working. Move. That thing was still behind him. One. The roadway in front of him was piled with rubble from a broken building. Two. He limped to the right toward the ledge down to the next tier of homes. Three. Four. The thunderclast trumped and followed, its steps shaking the ground. Five. Six. He could hear stone grinding just behind. He fell to his knees. Seven. Maya, he thought, truly desperate. Please. Blessedly, as he raised his hands, the blade materialized. He slammed it into the rock wall, the edge pointed to the side, not down, then rolled off the ledge, holding on to the hilt. The thunderclast's fist came down again, crashing to the rock. Adolin dangled from Maya's hilt over the edge, a drop of some ten feet to the rooftop below. Adolin gritted his teeth. His elbow was hurting badly enough to make his eyes water. But, once the thunderclast had rubbed its hand to the side, Adolin grabbed the cliff edge with one hand and swept Maya out to the side, freeing her from the stone. He reached down and rammed her into the stone below, then let go and swung from this new handhold a moment before releasing the blade and dropping the rest of the way to the rooftop. His legs screamed in pain. He collapsed to the rooftop, eyes watering. As he lay there in agony, he felt something, a faint panic on the wind. He forced himself to roll to the side and a fused swept past, its lance barely missing him. Need... A weapon! He started counting again and climbed shakily to his knees. But the thunderclast loomed on the tier overhead, then rammed its stump leg down into the center of the stone roof Adolin was on. Adolin fell in a jumble of broken stone and dust, then hit hard on the floor inside, chunks of rock clattering around him. Everything went black. He tried to gasp, but his muscles couldn't make the motions. He could only lie there, straining, groaning softly. A part of him was aware of the sounds made as the thunderclast pulled its stump out of the broken home. He waited for it to smash him, but as his vision slowly returned, he saw it stepping down from that upper tier under the street outside. At least, at least it wasn't continuing on toward the oath gate. Adolin shifted. Chips from the shattered roof streamed off him. His face and hands bled from a hundred scrapes. He recovered his breath, gasping in pain, and tried to move, but his leg. Damnation, that hurt. Maya brushed his mind. I'm trying to get up, he said through gritted teeth. Give me a sec, storming sword. He had another coughing fit, then finally rolled off the rubble. He crawled out onto the street, half expecting Scar and Drahi to be there to pull him to his feet. Storms, he missed those bridgemen. The street was empty around him, though maybe twenty feet away people crowded, trying to get up the thoroughfare to safety. They called and shouted in fear and urgency. If Adolin ran that way, the thunderclast would follow. It had proved determined to bring him down. He sneered at the looming monster and, leaning against the wall of the small home he'd fallen into, pulled himself to his feet. Maya dropped into his hand. Though he was covered in dust, she still shone bright. He steadied himself, then held Maya in two hands, his grip wetted by blood, 
and fell into stone stance, the immovable stance. Come and get me, you bastard, he whispered. Adolin, a familiar voice called from behind. Storms, Adolin, what are you doing? Adolin started, then glanced over his shoulder. A glowing figure pushed through the crowd onto the street. Renarin carried a shard blade, and his blue bridge four uniform was unstained. Took you long enough? As Renarin approached, the thunderclast actually took a step back, as if afraid. Well, that might help. Adolin clenched his teeth, trying to hold in his agony. He wobbled, then steadied himself. All right, let's... Adolin, don't be foolhardy, Renarin grabbed his arm. A burst of healing moved through Adolin like cold water in his veins, causing his pains to retreat. But get away, Renarin said. You're unarmored. You'll get yourself killed fighting this thing. But I can handle it, Adolin. Just go, please. Adolin stumbled back. He'd never heard such forceful talk from Renarin. That was almost more amazing than the monster. Renarin shockingly charged at the thing. A clatter announced Herdom climbing down from above, his plate's helm cracked, but otherwise in good shape. He had lost his hammer, but carried one of the lances from the fused, and his plate fist was covered in blood. Renarin. He didn't have plate. How? The thunderclast's palm crashed down on Renarin, smashing him. Adolin screamed, but his brother's shard blade cut up through the palm, then separated the hand from the wrist. The thunderclast trumpeted in anger as Renarin climbed from the rubble of the hand. He seemed to heal more quickly than Kaladin or Shalon did, as if being crushed wasn't even a bother. Excellent, Herdom said, laughing inside his helm. You'll rest, okay? Adolin nodded, stifling a groan of pain. Renarin's healing had stopped his insides from aching, and it was no longer painful to put weight on his leg, but his arms still ached, and some of his cuts hadn't closed. As Herdom stepped toward the fight, Adolin took the man by the arm, then lifted Maya. Go with him for now, Maya, Adolin thought. He almost wished she'd object, but the vague sensation he received was a resigned agreement. Herdom dropped his lance and took the blade reverently. Great honor in you, Prince Adolin, he said. Great passion in me at this aid. Go, Adolin said. I'll go see if I can help hold the streets. Herdom charged off. Adolin chose an infantry spear from the rubble, then made toward the roadway behind. Zeth of the Skybreakers had, fortunately, trained with all ten surges. The fused transferred the enormous ruby to one of their number who could manipulate abrasion, a woman who slid across the ground like lifted. She infused the ruby, making it glow with her version of a lashing. That would make the thing impossibly slick and difficult to carry for anyone but the fused woman herself. She seemed to think her enemies would have no experience with such a thing. Unfortunately for them, Zeth had not only carried an honor blade that granted this power, he had practiced with skates on ice, a training exercise that somewhat mimicked an edge dancer's movements. And so, as he chased down the gemstone, he gave the fused woman plenty of opportunities to underestimate him. He let her dodge and was slow to reorient, acting surprised when she slipped this way, then that. Once the fused was confident she controlled this race, Zeth struck. When she leaped off a ledge of stone, soaring a short time in the air, Zeth swooped in with a sudden set of lashings. He collided with her right as she landed. 
As his face touched her carapace, he lashed her upward. That sent her flying into the air with a scream. Zeth landed and prepared to follow, then cursed as the fused fumbled with the gemstone. He whipped his jacket off as she dropped it. Though one of the flying fused swept in to grab it, the ruby slipped out of his fingers. Zeth caught it in the jacket, held like a pouch. A lucky turn. He had assumed he would need to attack her again to get it out of her hands. Now the real test. He lashed himself eastward toward the city. Here a chaotic mix of soldiers fought on a painted battlefield. The lightweaver was good. Even the corpses looked authentic. A fused had begun gathering glowing-eyed soldiers who were real, then putting them with their backs to the city wall. They'd made ranks with spears bristling outward and yelled for soldiers to join them, but touched each one who approached. Illusions that tried to get in were disrupted. Soon the enemy would be able to ignore this distraction, regroup, and focus on getting through that wall. Do what Dalinar told you. Get him this gemstone. The ruby had finally stopped glowing, making it no longer slick. Above, many fused swooped to intercept Zeth. They seemed happy to play this game, for as long as the gemstone was changing hands, it was not being delivered to Dalinar. As the first fused came for him, Zeth ducked into a roll and canceled his lashing upward. He collided with a rock, acting dazed. He then shook his head, took up his pouch with the ruby, and launched into the air again. Eight fused gave chase, and though Zeth dodged between them, one eventually got close enough to seize his pouch and rip it out of his fingers. They swept away as a flock, and Zeth slowly floated down and landed beside Lift, who stepped out of the illusory rock. She held a bundle wrapped in clothing, the real gemstone which she'd taken from his pouch during his feigned collision. The fused now had a false ruby, a rock cut into roughly the same shape with a shard blade, then covered in an illusion. Come, Zeth said, grabbing the girl and lashing her upward, then towing her after him as he swept toward the northern edge of the plain. This place nearest the red mist had fallen into darkness. The windrunner had consumed all of the stormlight and gemstones on the ground. He fought against several enemies nearby. Shadowed darkness, whispered words. Zeth slowed to a halt. What? Lift asked. Crazy face? I... Zeth trembled, fear spread bubbling from the ground below. I cannot go into that mist. I must be away from this place. The whispers. I got it, she said. Go back and help the redhead. He dropped Lift to the ground and backed away. That churning red mist, those faces breaking and reforming and screaming. Dalinar was still in there somewhere. The little girl with the long hair stopped at the border of the mist, then stepped inside. Amaram was screaming in pain. Kaladin sparred with the fused who had the strange overgrown carapace and couldn't spare a glance. He used the screaming to judge that he was staying far enough from Amaram to not be immediately attacked. But storms it was distracting. Kaladin swept with the sill blade, cutting through the fused's forearms. That sheared the spurs completely free and disabled the hands. The creature backed up, growling a soft but angry rhythm. Amaram's screaming voice approached. Syl became a shield, anticipating Kaladin's need as he raised her toward his side, blocking a set of sweeping blows from the screaming High Lord. Stormfather! Amaram's helm was cracked from the wicked, sharp amethysts growing out of the sides of his face. The eyes still glowed deeply within, 
and the stone ground somehow burned beneath his crystal-covered feet, leaving flaming tracks behind. The High Prince battered against the sill shield with two shard blades. She, in turn, grew a latticework on the outside, with parts sticking out like the tines of a trident. What are you doing? Kaladin asked. Improvising. Amaram struck again, and Helleran's sword got tangled in the tines. Kaladin spun the shield, wrenching the sword out of Amaram's grip. It vanished into smoke. Now, press the advantage. Kaladin! The hulking fused charged him. The creature's cut arms had regrown, and, even as it swung its hands, a large club formed there from carapace. Kaladin barely got still in place to block. It didn't do much good. The force of the club's sideways blow flung Kaladin against the remnants of a wall. He growled, then lashed himself upward into the sky, stormlight re-knitting him. Damnation! The area around where they were fighting had grown dark and shadowed. The gemstones drained. Had he really used so much? Uh-oh, Sil said, flying around him as a ribbon of light. Dalinar! The red mist billowed, ominous in the gloom, red on black. Within it, Dalinar was a shadow, with two flying fused besetting him. Kaladin growled again. Amaram had gone hiking for his bow, which had fallen from the horse's saddle some ways off. Damnation, he couldn't defeat them all. He shot down toward the ground. The hulking fused came for him, and instead of dodging, Kaladin let the creature ram a knife-like spur into his stomach. He grunted, tasting blood, but didn't flinch. He grabbed the creature's hand and lashed him upward toward the mist. The fused flipped past his companions in the air, shouting something that sounded like a plea for help. They zipped after him. Kaladin stumbled after Amaram, but his footsteps steadied as he healed. He got a little more stormlight from some gemstones he'd missed earlier, then took to the sky. Sil became a lance, and Kaladin swooped down, causing Amaram to turn away from the bow, still a short distance from him, and track Kaladin. Crystals had broken through his armor all along his arms and back. Kaladin made a charging pass. He wasn't accustomed to flying with a lance, though, and Amaram batted the Sil lance aside with a shard blade. Kaladin rose up on the other side, considering his next move. Amaram launched himself into the air. He soared in an incredible leap, far higher and farther than even Shardplate would have allowed. And he hung, for a time, sweeping close to Kaladin, who dodged backward. Sil, he hissed as Amaram landed. Sil, that was a lashing. What is he? I don't know, but we don't have much time before those fused return. Kaladin swept down and landed, shortening Sil to a halberd. Amaram spun on him, eyes within the helm trailing red light. Can you feel it? he demanded of Kaladin. The beauty of the fight. Kaladin ducked in and rammed Sill at Amaram's cracked breastplate. It could have been so glorious, Amaram said, swatting aside the attack. You, me, Dalinar, together on the same side. The wrong side. Is it wrong to want to help the ones who truly own this land? Is it not honorable? It's not Amaram I speak to anymore, is it? Who or what are you? Oh, it's me, Amaram said. He dismissed one of his blades, grabbed his helm. With a tug of the hand, it finally shattered, exploding away and revealing the face of Meridas Amaram. Surrounded by amethyst crystals, glowing with a soft and somehow dark light. He grinned. Odium promised me something grand, and that promise has been kept with honor. You still pretend to speak of honor? 
Everything I do is for honor. Amaram swept with a single blade, making Kaladin dodge. It was honor that drove me to seek the return of the heralds, of powers, and of our god. So you could join the other side? Lightning flashed behind Amaram, casting red light and long shadows as he resummoned his second blade. Odium showed me what the heralds have become. We spent years trying to get them to return, but they were here all along. They abandoned us, Spearman. Amaram carefully circled Kaladin with his two shard blades. He's waiting for the fuse to come help, Kaladin thought. That's why he's being cautious now. I hurt once, Amaram said. Did you know that? After I was forced to kill your squad, I hurt. Until I realized it wasn't my fault. The color of his glowing eyes intensified to a simmering crimson. None of this is my fault. Kaladin attacked. Unfortunately, he barely knew what he was facing. The ground rippled and became liquid, almost catching him again. Fire trailed behind Amaram's arms as he swung with both shard blades. Somehow, he briefly ignited the very air. Kaladin blocked one blade, then the other, but couldn't get in an attack. Amaram was fast and brutal, and Kaladin didn't dare touch the ground lest his feet freeze to the liquefied stone. After a few more exchanges, Kaladin was forced to retreat. "'You're outclassed, Spearman,' Amaram said. "'Give in, and convince the city to surrender.' That is for the best. No more need die today. Let me be merciful. Like you were merciful to my friends? Like you were merciful to me when you gave me these brands? I left you alive. I spared you. An attempt to assuage your conscience, Kaladin clashed with the High Prince. A failed attempt. I made you, Kaladin. Amaram's red eyes lit the crystals that rimmed his face. I gave you that granite will, that warrior's poise. This, the person you've become, was my gift. A gift at the expense of everyone I loved? What do you care? It made you strong. Your men died in the name of battle, so that the strongest man would have the weapon. Anyone would have done what I did. Even Dalinar himself. Didn't you tell me you'd given up that grief? Yes, I'm beyond guilt. Then why do you still hurt? Amaram flinched. Murderer, Kaladin said. You've switched sides to find peace, Amaram. But you won't ever have it. He'll never give it to you. Amaram roared, sweeping in with his shard blades. Kaladin lashed himself upward, then, as Amaram passed underneath, twisted and came back down, swinging in a powerful two-handed grip. In response to an unspoken command, Syl became a hammer, which crashed against the back of Amaran's plate. The cuirass-style breastplate, which was all one piece, exploded with an unexpected force, pushing Kaladin backward across the stone. Overhead, the lightning rumbled. They were fully in the Everstorm's shadow, which made it even more ghastly as he saw what had happened to Amaram. The High Prince's entire chest had collapsed inward. There was no sign of ribs or internal organs. Instead, a large violet crystal pulsed inside his chest cavity, overgrown with dark veins. If he'd been wearing a uniform or padding beneath the armor, it had been consumed. He turned toward Kaladin, heart and lungs replaced by a gemstone that glowed with Odium's dark light. 
Everything I've done, Amaram said, blinking red eyes. I've done for Alethkar. I'm a patriot. If that is true, Kaladin whispered, why do you still hurt? Amaram screamed, charging him. Kaladin raised Sill, who became a shard blade. Today what I do, I do for the men you killed. I am the man I've become because of them. I made you. I forged you. He leaped at Kaladin, propelling himself off the ground, hanging in the air. And in so doing, he entered Kaladin's domain. Kaladin launched at Amaram. The High Prince swung, but the winds themselves curled around Kaladin, and he anticipated the attack. He lashed himself to the side, narrowly avoiding one blade. Wind spren streaked past him as he dodged the other by a hair's width. Sill became a spear in his grip, matching his motions perfectly. He spun and slammed her against the gemstone at Amaram's heart. The amethyst cracked, and Amaram faltered in the air, then dropped. Two shard blades vanished to mist as the High Prince fell some twenty feet to crash into the ground. Kaladin floated downward toward him. Ten spears go to battle, he whispered, and nine shatter. Did that war forge the one that remained? No, Amaram. All the war did was identify the spear that would not break. Amaram climbed to his knees, howling with a bestial sound and clutching the flickering gemstone at his chest, which went out, plunging the area into darkness. Kaladin! Sil shouted in Kaladin's mind. He barely dodged as two fused swooped past, their lances narrowly missing his chest. Two more came in from the left, one from the right. A sixth carried the hulking fused back, rescued from Kaladin's lashing. They'd gone to fetch friends. It seemed the fused had realized that their best path to stopping Dalinar was to first remove Kaladin from the battlefield. Renarin puffed in and out as the thunderclast collapsed, crushing houses in its fall but also breaking off its arm. It reached upward with its remaining arm, bleeding a plaintive cry. Renarin and his companion, the Thalen Shardbearer, had cut off both legs at the knees. The Thalen tromped up and slapped him, carefully, on the back with a plated hand. Very good fighting. I just distracted it while you cut chunks of its legs off. You did good, the Thalen said. He nodded toward the thunderclast, which got to its knees, then slipped. Out to end. It will fear you, Gliss said from within Renarin. It will go. Make it so that it will go. I'll see what I can do, Renarin said to the Thalen, then carefully picked his way over to the street and up a level to get a better view of the thunderclast's head. So, Gliss, he asked. What do I do? Light. You will make it go with light. The thing pulled itself up across the rubble of a destroyed building. Stone rubbed stone as its enormous wedge-shaped head turned to Renarin. Recessed molten eyes fluttered like a sputtering fire. It was in pain. It could hurt. It will go, Gliss promised, excitable as ever. Renarin raised his fist and summoned Stormlight. It glowed as a powerful beacon, and... The red molten eyes faded before that light, and the thing settled down with a last extinguishing sigh. His Thalen companion approached with a soft clinking of plate. Good. Excellent. 
Go help with the fighting, Renarin said. I need to open the oath gate in person. The man obeyed without question, running for the main thoroughfare leading down to the ancient ward. Renarin lingered with that stone corpse, troubled. I was supposed to have died. I saw myself die. He shook his head, then hiked up toward the upper reaches of the city. Shalon, Vale, and Radiant held hands in a ring. The three flowed, faces changing, identities melding. Together they had raised an army. It was dying now. A hulking variety of fused had organized the enemy. These refused to be distracted. Though Vale, Shalon, and Radiant had made copies of themselves to keep the real ones from being attacked, those died as well. Wavering, stormlight running out. We've strained ourselves too far, they thought. Three fused approached, cutting through the dying illusions, marching through evaporating stormlight. People fell to their knees and puffed away. Mmm, Pattern said. Tired, Shalon said, her eyes drowsy. Satisfied, Radiant said, proud. Worried, Vale said, eyeing the fused. They wanted to move, needed to move. But it hurt to watch their army die and puff into nothing. One figure didn't melt like the others. A woman with jet black hair that had escaped its usual braids. It blew free as she stepped between the enemy and Shalon, Radiant, and Vale. The ground turned glossy, the surface of the stone soul cast into oil. Vale, Shalon, and Radiant were able to glimpse it in the cognitive realm. It changed so easily. How did Yasna manage that? Yasna soul cast a spark from the air, igniting the oil and casting up a field of flames. The fused raised hands before their faces, stumbling back. That should buy us a few moments. Yasna turned toward Radiant Vale and Shalon. She took Shalon by the arm, but Shalon wavered, then puffed away. Yasna froze, then turned to Vale. Here, Radiant said, tired, stumbling to her feet. She was the one Yasna could feel. She blinked away tears. Are you real? Yes, Shalon. You did well out here. She touched Radiant's arm, then glanced toward the fused, who were venturing into the fires despite the heat. Damnation. Perhaps I should have opened a pit beneath them instead. Shalon winced as the last of her army, like the shredded light of a setting sun, vanished. Yasna proffered a gemstone, which Radiant drank eagerly. Amaram's troops had begun to form ranks again. Come, Yasna said, pulling Vale back to the wall where steps grew from the stone itself. Soulcast? Shalon asked. Yes. Yasna stepped onto the first, but Shalon didn't follow. We shouldn't have ignored this, Radiant said. We should have practiced this. She slipped for a moment into viewing Shadesmar. Beads rolled and surged beneath her. Not too far, Yasna warned. You can't bring your physical self into the realm as I once assumed you could, but there are things here that can feast upon your mind. If I want to soul cast the air, how? Avoid air until you practice further, Yasna said. 
It is convenient, but difficult to control. Why don't you try to turn some stone into oil as I did? We can fire it as we climb the steps and further impede the enemy. I... So many beads. So many spren. Churning in the lake that marked Thalen City. So overwhelming. That rubble near the wall will be easier than the ground itself, Yasna said, as you'll be able to treat those stones as distinct units while the ground views itself all as one. It's too much, Shalan said, exhaustion spread spinning around her. I can't, Yasna. I'm sorry. It is well, Shalan, Yasna said. I merely wanted to see as it seemed you were soul-casting to give your illusions weight. But then, concentrated stormlight has a faint mass to it. Either way, up the steps, child. Radiant started up the stone steps. Behind, Yasna waved her hand toward the approaching fused, and stone formed from air, completely encasing them. It was brilliant. Any who saw it in only the physical realm would be impressed. But Radiant saw so much more. Yasna's absolute command and confidence. The stormlight rushing to do her will. The air itself responding as if to the voice of God himself. Shalan gasped in wonder. It obeyed. The air obeyed your call to transform. When I tried to make a single little stick change, it refused. Soul casting is a practiced art. Yasna said, up, up, keep walking. She sliced the steps off as they walked. Remember, you mustn't order stones as they are more stubborn than men. Use coercion. Speak of freedom and of movement. But for a gas becoming a solid, you must impose discipline and will. Each essence is different, and each offers advantages and disadvantages when used as a substrate for soul casting. Yasna glanced over her shoulder at the gathering army. And perhaps this is one time when a lecture isn't advisable. With all my complaints about not wanting wards, you'd think I would be able to resist instructing people at inopportune times. Keep moving. Feeling exhausted, Vale, Shalan, and Radiant trudged up and finally reached the top of the wall. After how hard it had been for Renarn to get up to fight the Thunderclast, He'd spent what seemed like an eternity caught in the press of people. He'd expected to have to work to cover the last distance to the Oath Gate. However, people were moving more quickly now. The ones up above must have cleared off the streets, hiding in the many temples and buildings in the Royal Ward. He was able to move with the flow of people. Near the top tier, he ducked into a building and walked to the back, past some huddled merchants. Most of the buildings here were a single story, so he used gliss to cut a hole in the roof. He then hollowed out some handholds in the rock wall and climbed up on top. Beyond, he was able to get onto the street leading to the Oathgate platform. He was unaccustomed to being able to do things like this, not only using the shard blade, but being physical. He'd always been afraid of his fits, always worried that a moment of strength would instantly become a moment of invalidity. Living like that, you learned to stay back, just in case. He hadn't suffered a fit in a while. He didn't know if that was just a coincidence, it could be irregular, or if they had been healed, like his bad eyesight. Indeed, he still saw the world differently from everyone else. 
He was still nervous talking to people and didn't like being touched. Everyone else saw in each other things he never could understand. So much noise and destruction and people talking and cries for help and sniffles and muttering and whispering all like buzzing, buzzings. At least here, on this street, near the Oath Gate, the crowds had diminished. Why was that? Wouldn't they have pressed up here, hoping for escape? Why? Oh. A dozen fused hovered in the sky above the Oath Gate, lances held formerly before themselves, clothing draping beneath them and fluttering. Twelve. Twelve. This, Gliss said, would be bad. Motion caught his attention a young girl standing in a doorway and waving at him. He walked over, worried the fused would attack him. Hopefully his stormlight, which he'd mostly used up fighting the thunderclast, wasn't bright enough to draw their ire. He entered the building, another single-story structure with a large open room at the front. It was occupied by dozens of scribes and ardents, many of whom huddled around a span reed. Children that he couldn't see crowded the back rooms, but he could hear their whimpers and he heard the scratching, scratching, scratching of reeds on paper. "'Oh, bless the Almighty,' Brightness Teshub said, appearing from the mass of people. She pulled Renarin deeper into the room. "'Have you any news?' "'My father sent me up here to help,' Renarin said. "'Brightness, where are General Carl and your son?' "'In Eurythiru,' she said. "'They transferred back to gather forces, but then—' Brightlord, there's been an attack at Eurythiru. We've been trying to get information via Spanreed. It appears that a strike force of some kind arrived at the advent of the Everstorm. Brightness, Kadash called. Spanreed to Sabariel's scribes is responding again. They apologize for the long delay. Sabariel pulled back following Aladar's command to the upper levels. He confirms that the attackers are Parshmen. The Oathgates? Renarn asked, hopeful. Can they reach those and open the way here? Not likely. The enemy is holding the plateau. Our armies have the advantage at Eurythiru, Prince Renarin, Teshub said. Reports agree that the enemy strike force isn't nearly large enough to defeat us there. This is obviously a delaying tactic to keep us from activating the Oathgate and bringing help to Thalen City. Kadash nodded. Those fused above the Oathgate, held even when the Stonemaster outside was falling. They know their orders. Keep that device from being activated. Radiant Malata is the only way for our armies to reach us through the Oath Gate, Teshub said. But we can't contact her or any of the Carbronth contingent. The enemy struck them first. They knew exactly what they had to do to cripple us. Renarin took a deep breath, drawing in stormlight that Teshub was carrying. His glow lit the room and eyes all through the chamber looked up from span reeds turning toward him. The portal has to be reopened, Renarin said. Your Highness, Teshub said, you can't fight them all. There's nobody else. He turned to go. Shockingly, nobody called for him to stop. All his life they'd done that. No, Renarin, that's not for you. You can't do that. You're not well, Renarin. Be reasonable, Renarin. He'd always been reasonable. He'd always listened. It felt wonderful and terrifying at once to know that nobody did that today. The Spanreeds continued their scratching, moving on their own, oblivious to the moment. Renarin stepped outside. Terrified, he strode down the street, summoning Gliss as a shard blade. As he approached the ramp up to the Oathgate, the fused descended. Four landed on the ramp before him, 
then gave him a gesture not unlike a salute, humming to a frantic tune he did not know. Bernarn was so frightened he worried he'd wet himself. Not very noble or brave now, was he? Ah, what will come now, Gliss said, voice thrumming through Renarin. What emerges? One of his fits struck him. Not the old fits where he grew weak. He had new ones now that neither he nor Gliss could control. To his eyes, glass grew across the ground. It spread out like crystals forming lattices, images, meanings, and pathways. Stained glass pictures, panel after panel. These had always been right, until today. Until they had proclaimed that Yasna Kolin's love would fail. He read this latest set of stained glass images, then felt his fear drain away. He smiled. This seemed to confuse the fused as they lowered their salutes. You're wondering why I'm smiling, Renarin said. They didn't respond. Don't worry, Renarin said. You didn't miss something funny. I, uh, well, I doubt you'll find it amusing. Light exploded from the Oathgate platform in a wave. The fused cried out in a strange tongue, zipping into the air. A luminous wall expanded from the Oathgate platform in a ring trailing a glowing afterimage. It faded to reveal an entire division of Alethi troops in Colin Blue standing upon the Oathgate platform. Then, like a herald from lore, a man rose into the air above them. Glowing white with stormlight, the bearded man carried a long silver shard spear with a strange crossguard shape behind the tip. Teft. Night Radiant. Shalan sat with her back against the battlement, listening to soldiers shout orders. Navani had given her stormlight and water, but was currently distracted by reports from Urethiru. Pattern hummed from the side of Vale's jacket. Shalan, you did well, Shalan. Very well. An honorable stand, Radiant agreed. One against many, and we held our ground. Longer than we should have, Vale said. We were already exhausted. We're still ignoring too much, Shalan said. We're getting too good at pretending. She had decided to stay with Yasna in the first place, to learn. But when the woman returned from the dead, Shalan had, instead of accepting training, immediately fled. What had she been thinking? Nothing. She'd been trying to hide away things she didn't want to face, like always. Mmm, Pattern said, a concerned hum. I'm tired, Shalon whispered. You don't have to worry. After I rest, I'll recover and settle down to being just one. I actually, actually don't think I'm quite as lost as I was before. Yasna, Navani, and Queen Fen whispered together farther along the wall. Thalen generals joined them, and Fearspren gathered around. The defense, in their opinion, was going poorly. Reluctantly, Vale pushed herself to her feet and surveyed the battlefield. Amaram's forces were gathering beyond bow range. We delayed the enemy, Radiant said, but didn't defeat them. We still have an overwhelming army to face. Mm, Pattern said, high-pitched, worried. Shalan, look, beyond. 
Out nearer the bay, thousands upon thousands of fresh Parshman troops had begun to carry ladders off their ships to use in a full-on assault. Tell the men not to give chase to those fused, Renarin said to Lopin. We need to hold the Oath Gate first and foremost. Good enough, sure, Lopin said, launching into the sky and going to relay the order to Taft. The fused clashed with Bridge Four in the air over the city. This group of enemies seemed more skilled than the ones Renarn had seen below, but they didn't fight so much as defend themselves. They were progressively moving the clash farther out over the city, and Renarn worried they were deliberately drawing Bridge Four away from the Oath Gate. The Alethi Division marched into the city with shouts of praise and joy from the surrounding people. Two thousand men wasn't going to do much if those parchment outside joined the battle, but it was a start. Plus, General Kahl had brought not one but three shard-bearers. Renarin did his best to explain the city situation, but was embarrassed to tell the Kahls that he didn't know his father's status. As they reunited with Teshev, turning her scribe station into a command post, Rock and Lynn landed next to Renarin. Huh, Rock said. What happened to uniform? Is needing my needle. Renarin looked down at his tattered clothing. I got hit by a large block of stone. Twenty times. You're not one to complain anyway. Is that your blood on your uniform? Is nothing. We had to carry him all the way down to the Oath Gate, Lynn said. We were trying to get him to you, but he started drawing in stormlight as soon as he got here. Galadin is close, Rock agreed. Ah, I feed him, but here today he fed me with light. Lynn eyed Rock. Storming Horneater weighs as much as a chull. She shook her head. Kara will fight with the others. Don't tell anyone, but she's been practicing with a spear since childhood, the little cheater. But Rock won't fight, and I've only been handling a spear for a few weeks now. Any idea where you want us? I'm, uh, not really in command or anything. Really? Lynn said. That's your best night radiant voice? Ha! Huh. Rock said. I think I used up all my radianting for the day, Renarin said. Um, I'll work the Oath Gate and get more troops here. Maybe you two could go down and help on the city wall, pull wounded out of the front lines? It's good idea, Rock said. Lynn nodded and flew off, but Rock lingered, then grabbed Renarin in a very warm, suffocating, and unexpected embrace. Renarin did his best not to squirm. It wasn't the first hug he'd endured from Rock, but storms. You weren't supposed to just grab someone like that. Why? Renarin said after the embrace. You looked like person who needed hug. I assure you, I never look like that. But, um, I am glad you guys came. Really, really glad. Bridge four, Rock said then launched into the air. Renarin settled down nearby on some steps, trembling from it all, but grinning anyway. Dalinar drifted in the thrill's embrace. He'd once believed he had been four men in his life, but he now saw he'd grossly underestimated. He hadn't lived as two or four or six men. He had lived as thousands for each day he became someone slightly different. He hadn't changed in one giant leap, but across a million little steps. 
the most important always being the next, he thought as he drifted in the red mist. The thrill threatened to take him, control him, rip him apart and shred his soul in its eagerness to please him, to give him something it could never understand was dangerous. A small hand gripped Dalinar's. He started, looking down. L-lift? You shouldn't have come in here. But I'm the best at going places I'm not supposed to. She pressed something into his hand. The large ruby. Bless you. What is it? she said. Why do you need that rock? Dalinar squinted into the mists. Do you know how we capture Spren, Dalinar? Terebengin had said. You lure the Spren with something it loves. You give it something familiar to draw it in. Something it knows deeply. Shalon saw one of the unmade in the tower, he whispered. When she got close, it was afraid. But I don't think the thrill comprehends like it did. You see, it can only be bested by someone who deeply, sincerely understands it. He lifted the gemstone above his head and, one last time, embraced the thrill. War. Victory. The contest. Dalinar's entire life had been a competition, a struggle from one conquest to the next. He accepted what he had done. It would always be part of him. And though he was determined to resist, he would not cast aside what he had learned. That very thirst for the struggle, the fight, the victory, had also prepared him to refuse odium. Thank you he whispered again to the thrill, for giving me strength when I needed it. The thrill churned close around him, cooing and exulting in his praise. Now, old friend, it is time to rest. Keep moving, Kaladin dodged and wove, avoiding some strikes, healing from others. Keep them distracted. He tried to take to the skies, but the eight fused swarmed about him, knocking him back down. He hit the stone ground, then lashed himself laterally, away from the stabbing lances or crushing clubs. Can't actually escape. He had to keep their attention. If he managed to slip away, all of these would turn against Dalinar. You don't have to beat them. You simply have to last long enough. He dodged to the right, skimming a few inches above the ground. But one of the hulking fused... There were four fighting him now, grabbed him by the foot. She slammed him down, then Carapace grew down along her arms, threatening to bind Kaladin to the ground. He kicked her off, but another grabbed him by the arm and flung him to the side. Flying ones descended, and while he warded away their lances with the sill shield, his side throbbed with pain. The healing was coming more slowly now. Two other fused swept along, scooping up nearby gemstones, leaving Kaladin in an ever-expanding ring of darkness. Just buy time. Delinar needs time. Sill sang in his mind as he spun, forming a spear and ramming it through the chest of one of the hulking ones. Those could heal unless you stabbed them in exactly the right spot in the sternum, and he'd missed. So he made Sill into a sword, and, the weapon still embedded in the fused woman's chest, swept upward through the head, burning her eyes. Another hulking fused swung, but as it hit, the club being part of the thing's actual body, Kaladin used much of his remaining stormlight to lash this man upward, crashing him into a fused above. Another clobbered him from the side, sending him rolling. 
Red lightning pulsed overhead as he came to a rest on his back. He immediately summoned Syl as a spear, pointing straight up. That impaled the fused dropping down to attack him, cracking its sternum within, causing its eyes to burn. Another grabbed him by the foot and lifted him, then slammed him face first into the ground. That knocked Kaladin's breath out. The monstrous fused stomped a carapace-encrusted foot onto his back, shattering ribs. Kaladin screamed, and though the stormlight healed what it could, the last of it fluttered inside. Then went out. A sudden sound rose behind Kaladin like that of rushing air, accompanied by wails of pain. The fused stumbled backward, muttering to a quick worried rhythm. Then, remarkably, it turned and ran. Kaladin twisted, looking behind himself. He couldn't make out Dalinar anymore, but the mist itself had begun to thrash. Surging and pulsing, it whipped about like it was caught in a powerful wind. More fused fled. That wailing grew louder, and the mist seemed to roar. A thousand faces stretching from it, mouths opened in agony. They were sucked back together, like rats pulled by their tails. The red mist imploded, vanishing. All went dark, with the storm overhead growing still. Kaladin found himself lying broken on the ground. Stormlight had healed his vital functions. His organs would probably be intact, though his cracked bones left him gasping with pain when he tried to sit up. The spheres around the area were done, and the darkness prevented him from spotting whether Dalinar lived. The mist was entirely gone. That seemed a good sign. And in the darkness, Kaladin could see something streaking from the city. Brilliant white lights flying in the air. A scraping sound came from nearby, and then a violet light flickered in the darkness. A shadow stumbled to its feet, dark purple light pulsing alive in its chest cavity, which was empty, save for that gemstone. Amaram's glowing red eyes illuminated a distorted face. His jaw had broken as he'd fallen, and gemstones had pushed out the sides of his face at awkward angles, making the jaw hang limp from his mouth, drool leaking out the side. He stumbled toward Kaladin, gemstone heart pulsing with light. A shard blade formed in his hand, the one that had killed Kaladin's friends so long ago. Amaram, Kaladin whispered, I can see what you are, what you've always been. Amaram tried to speak, but his drooping jaw only let out spittle and grunts. Kaladin was struck by a memory of the first time he'd seen the High Lord at Hearthstone. So tall and brave, seemingly perfect. I saw it in your eyes, Amaram, Kaladin whispered as the husk of a man stumbled up to him. When you killed Korob and Hab and my other friends, I saw the guilt you felt. He licked his lips. You tried to break me as a slave, but you failed. They rescued me. Maybe it's time for someone to save you, Syl had said in Shadesmar, but someone already had. Amaram raised the shard blade high. Bridge four, Kaladin whispered. An arrow slammed into Amaram's head from behind, going right through the skull, coming out his inhuman mouth. Amaram stumbled forward, dropping his shard blade. The arrow stuck in his head. He made a choking sound, then turned about just in time to catch another arrow straight in the chest, right through the flickering gemstone heart. 
The amethyst exploded, and Amaram dropped in a crumbled wreck beside Kaladin. A glowing figure stood on some rubble beyond holding Amaram's enormous shard bow. The weapon seemed to match rock, tall and brilliant, a beacon in the darkness. Amaram's red eyes faded as he died, and Kaladin had the distinct impression of a dark smoke escaping his corpse. Two shard blades formed beside him and clanged to the stone. The soldiers made a space for Radiant on the wall as they prepared for the enemy assault. Amram's army formed assault ranks, while Parshman carried ladders, ready to charge. It was hard to step atop the wall without squishing a fierce spren. Thalens whispered of a lethe prowess in battle, recalling stories like when Hamadin and his fifty had withstood ten thousand Vadans. This was the first battle the Thalens had seen in a generation, but Amaram's troops had been hardened by constant war on the shattered plains. They looked to Shalon as if she could save them. The Knights Radiant were the only edge this city had, their best hope of survival. That terrified her. The armies started charging the wall. No pause, no breather. Odium would keep pushing forces at this wall as long as it took to crack Thalen City. Bloodlusty men, controlled by... The lights in their eyes started to go out. That clouded sky made it unmistakable. All across the field, red faded from the eyes of Amram's soldiers. Many immediately fell to their knees, retching on the ground. Others stumbled holding themselves upright by sagging against spears. It was like the very life had been sucked out of them, and it was so abrupt and unexpected that Shalon had to blink several times before her mind admitted that, yes, this was happening. Cheers erupted along the wall as the fused inexplicably retreated back toward the ships. The parchment rushed to follow, as did many of Amaram's troops, though some just lay on the broken stones. Lethargically, the black storm faded until it was a mere overcast stain, rippling with drowsy red lightning. It finally rolled across the island, impotent, bereft of wind, and vanished to the east. Kaladin drank stormlight from Lopin's gemstones. Be lucky the horn eater was looking for you gone, Lopin said. The rest of us thought we'd just fight, you know. Kaladin glanced toward Rock, who stood over Amaram's body, looking down, the enormous bow held limply in one hand. How had he drawn it? Stormlight granted great endurance, but it didn't vastly improve strength. Whoa, Lopin said. Goncho, look! The clouds had thinned and sunlight peeked through, illuminating the field of stone. Dalinar Kolin knelt not far away, clutching a large ruby that glowed with the same strange phantom light as the fused. The Reshi girl stood with her diminutive hand resting on his shoulder. The Blackthorn was crying as he cradled the gemstone. Dalinar? Kaladin asked, worried, jogging over. What happened? It is over, Captain, Dalinar said. Then he smiled. So were they tears of joy? Why had he seemed so grieved? 
It's over.